this episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Useful Corruption. Hey, do you happen to be a corrupt politician who has $100 million or so lying under your bed or $50 million in the guest bathroom? How about considering Useful Corruption? Invest your stolen funds in local businesses at reasonable interest rates and make that money work for you while you make your money work for the people. Useful corruption. Stealing. That helps. Podcast or this podcast helps or anybody affiliated with this podcast does not in any way endorse or encourage money laundering. Hello, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akande Adirili, and I'm here with a special guest. I, I think all of my guests are, ske- are special, but this is also a special guest. Her name is Habibo Haji, and she's going to share with us some of her thoughts and ideas, and I think most importantly, a little bit about her life and about herself. Um, so Habibo, you want to say a little hi to my listeners? Well, hello, everyone. I'm so glad that I can be here with you today and, um, you know, get to know um, get to know you all and uh, see how we can make a difference. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, Habibo, I'd like to learn about you and I'd like my listeners to learn about you and um, thinking about what I've been told about you prior to, to this conversation, I'd like to ask a couple of questions that should hopefully help frame... Uh, you as a person so absolutely okay so um my question first question would be uh habibo what is the worst thing that has ever happened to you goodness i got quite a quite a few things quite a few things but i think yes but i think the worst thing was uh, when I was 12, and I was living in um, Somalia, and okay. I was a nomad for um, six months at that time. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen my family for over six months. I haven't had to eat for six months. I, you know, survived on, you know, the dry fruits and cow milk, oh. and I uh, slept outside. So that's probably what I would say has been one of the lowest points. Okay, and why hadn't you seen your family for six months? Because in Africa, you know, uh, unless you grew up in the city, um, the farmers and people who live out in the country often move. And especially where I'm from, the Horn of Africa is pretty dry. Okay. So what my family did was, they had sent me and the cows to the other side of Somalia where it rained okay. and it just left me there to uh, watch the cows. And okay. that was kind of typical of what had happened, you know, what used to happen when I was there and it still happened. Okay. At 12? Yes. I actually started when I was four, you know, taking the goats and sheep out on my own out okay. into the grasslands. But when I was seven is when I became a nomad. And that is when basically, you know, like some people are, might be aware with how the cowboys here used to be back in the day, you know, in America right. where 
they just leave their family for months at a time and come back like in the winter or something. So it's yeah. something pretty similar to that. Okay, very interesting. And uh, now, on the other side of the table, what is the best thing that has ever happened to you? Uh, by far the greatest accomplishment in my life is raising three beautiful children. Congratulations. That's that's fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. Thank you. All right, I think your kids will be offend, offended if you didn't say it was them. Um, <laughs> hey, you love this other thing more than us, but um, that's that's fantastic. So, uh, I'd like to learn about how we got from that point, the worst thing, you at 12 years old, bunch of cows in the middle of a dry middle of nowhere, you haven't seen your family in five or so plus, up to six months, um, you know, to having your first child, which I, I, I imagine was a, a phenomenal experience. How did, how, how did I? Yeah, like what, what, what happened? Because um, you currently live in, this, in the United States. I, I'd like to understand how you got from Somalia to here. Why, why did you come over here? Got it. Okay. So um, Somalia had a civil war back in early 90s, and okay. um, we were all... Um, you know, had to had to leave, you know, our country, okay. most of us. And I lived in the largest refugee camp in Kenya um, three plus years before I uh, came to the United States, where I've seen, um, you know, people getting killed, women getting raped, child, you know, children are dying of malaria and hunger and malnourishment, wow. and so many other things. So um, then the uh, U- UNCR, um, you know how we are able to file. Once you're a refugee in a different country, yeah. you can file a process to come to the United States, Europe, America, Canada. Okay. So I was lucky enough to be chosen um, to come here to, um, to Arizona. Okay. And uh, that was uh, probably one of the other great... Uh, hardship also okay. because the refugee camp? you see because when when I lived in Somalia and when I lived in Kenya I'd never been to school because there was no there were no school for people like me okay so I came to the United States at sixteen, 16? I had never been to school wow didn't know how to read and write had no social skills and pretty naive if I must say. Okay. Then eventually finding my way into having my first child. My first child is actually 16 now. Oh, wow. She's driving. Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah, that must be terrifying. <laughs> it actually is quite pleasant. Oh, good. Good. You I have can somebody send her to the grocery store. <laughs> you know, a gallon of milk. Great. Great. So, and often in life we go through things and when we're going through we we think like that is the worst thing and you know one of my passion is being able to help uh our youth you know our teens that are in middle school high school and giving them a sense of hope and help them build resilience and that's why i do what i do because of my early beginning i see and I, I find it very interesting that you, perhaps more than most people, have seen perhaps some of the worst aspects of life, period, and some of the best of them as well. Um, 
I like to I like to focus on those two and focus on what you just said now. And um, my question then would be, uh, let's start with Somalia. Um, I'd love to be able to. A lot of my listeners are both from Africa, from different African countries, but often we don't really know outside our own bubble. Um, and a lot of people don't know a lot about the Somalian civil war in the 90s. Uh, how about you share about that? especially from your your lens oh absolutely you know my country has been in in the chaos for 20 plus years because of civil war and greed and and in essence a lot of the things that is going on in africa is where you know the people with money are unable to be um selfless and and educate those that don't have anything and and then there's the creed and there's the corruption and there's so many different things that goes on although things are looking a lot better now and we are you know um establishing a core principle for our government Mm -hmm. um our people have paid for it i mean there are people all over the world somalian people all over the world and we would not you know we wouldn't have had that had you know, people uh, acted differently. Yeah. You know, there our our country is pretty um, rich. I mean, we have the ocean. We have a lot of things going on for us. Yet mm-hmm. we tend to have the least of things because yeah. everyone is out for themselves, and no one is being selfless to say, you know what, I'm going to stand for my country, and if I make it, I'm going to help someone else make it as well. Yeah. And uh, wh- yeah. why is that getting better now? What do you think has changed? I think most of, uh, there are a lot of people who've been educated in the Western world that are going back and establishing systems and procedures and policies. Okay. And that's why it's getting better. All right. Um, why, you know, because oftentimes we look at, you know, we look at African countries and the truth is oftentimes people, life in the Western world is often far more comfortable um, because of established systems, like you said. Um, what is their motivation for going back to a less comfortable life? Um, what what drives them? Sense of purpose. Purpose. And contribution. I see. I see. Is it something? How do we how do we inspire that? And is that something that can be replicated, shared? Is there a way that the sense of purpose you have can be infectious enough to go on to the next Somalian person? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think. Uh, you know, there's that saying in, in English, one bad apple spoils the rest. Well, same goes if you reverse it. You know, if you model good behavior and if you have sense of purpose and if you're encouraging, empowering, and um, educating uh, people, you tend to have people who want to follow your footsteps because they see your success and they see that you're selfless. Hmm. So it is often... Uh, not easy, but doable to influence a group of people based on model behavior. Okay, so effectively spreading hope by example, almost? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and that's what I try to do with the teams. You know, um, I, I, I share with them my resilience in the things that I've gone through growing up, but where I'm at today. And I show them um, that it is possible for anyone, given that you're willing to put yourself out there and given that you're willing to persist and be consistent. And when you hear no, you don't give up. When you hear no, you don't 
you know, lose your dreams in the process. He said, okay, no just means move on to next thing. Hmm. So speaking of perhaps disappointment and difficult situations, you arrived in the United States, as you said, at 16, unable to read or write. Uh, some of us come here with those full capacities and are still overwhelmed by how much there is to deal with with the experience. Um, how how did you get from there to here? What it, to me, it's amazing. So can, can you help me make it more more you know re, realistic? Well, it comes down to what does the individual want. Okay. If if the purpose is I want to make a living and I want to be safe, you know, it's easily doable. But do you know? Do you want to be extraordinary? Do you want to be an example? Do you want to live, you know, a legacy for your family and for your children? Because granted, you come from different country and you come to this country, you barely come with anything. You come with the clothes on your back and maybe a few extra pairs. To be honest. Yeah. And to make something out of that takes tremendous work and persistence. Hmm. And realizing that unless you're six feet under, things can always take a turn for the better. You just have to keep pushing. Les Brown says, if you're going to fall, fall down, face up, because then you'll be able to get up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's, it's not easy, but... What, what do you want, you know, what, what what drives you, what was your purpose? Because motivation dies at the end of the day. You're motivated to go to the gym once or twice a week, but if you're driven to go to the to the gym uh, four or five times a day, you know, you, then you're going to go. But if you rely merely on motivation, you're not going to get there very far. Huh. Okay. And uh, now I'm going to ask you, so, so effectively, you were motivated almost before you could even spell the word, the word motivation, right? Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, you, you were motivated before you could even spell the word motivated. Correct. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So I'm going to ask a strategic question. Um, looking at the African continent and what a lot of our countries are dealing with now, especially given the heightened different refugee crises that we are facing uh, millions of people displaced all over you know west east and central africa um we have a ton of people that are in similar si- whose situations you've seen and that you've experienced as other africans how do you think we can assist those situations first of all and then second of all to those people if there are a message you could share with them what would that be question pertain to people that are coming here or anywhere in, in the African continent? I, I'm saying any people that are in refugee situations, because I assume that when you're applying to come to European countries, you don't know for sure that you're going to get in. Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, the, the thing is that we never really know what is our next step. We can hope it turns out the way we hoped it would turn out. And having that faith of knowing I'm going to put my all into this, if it turns out the way, if it turn, turns out the way that I envisioned and I wanted, great. If it doesn't, what is my next step? You know, I outlined some of the Brazilian, um, Brazilian um, 
pieces in my book, Conquering the Odds. Conquering the Odds. Often we we envision something and we want something. You want to have your dream house. You want to have this and that. You want to go to America. You want to have a beautiful wife. But those things take work. They take patience. They take persistence. Mm. Imagine, I'm, I'm assuming you have friends. and, and Well, yes. you do have friends. Yes, you so know, far. And, and somebody... Hi, it's me again. Interrupting your listening again. Sorry about that. I just wanted to thank you for subscribing and listening to this episode. I actually also would like to invite you, if you have anything you really care about and you'd love to share with the world, please reach out to me at podsaveafrica at gmail.com and enjoy the rest of your listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. And don't forget to share, like, subscribe. Rate me on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. And tell your enemies, too. They deserve to listen to Pots of Africa, too. Bye. I'm assuming you have friends. And, and, well, you do have friends. Yes, you so know, far. And, and, somebody, yeah, and, and, and you have some of some people in your circle that wish for things to happen. Mm-hmm. You might have a, a female friend who says, I cannot find a man. There's no good man. The same thing, you know, the man might say the same thing. But at the end of the day, they seem to be attracting the same individual with the same quality. Why? Because they have not changed who they are. Hmm. In order to, to attract what you want, you have to change from within. If I am the same person and if I'm always negative and I'm always like seeing the world from the glass half empty rather than half full, I'm pretty likely to kind of bounce into similar um, situations and people with similar thinking. Yeah. You know, my my grandmother, she's 90, she always used to tell me, if you want to get to know somebody, see who their friends are first. See, because likely, if you're hanging out with someone who is not motivated, who doesn't want education, who doesn't want better their life, who is not doing that extra step, and you're hanging out with them, you're likely going to lose your motivation and stay in that same circle. Or whether you're in America, Africa, or any other country, it all depends on when you look yourself in the mirror. Who do you want to be? What is your purpose? What legacy do you want to live? And when we ask those questions, it pushes us a little further. I see. I see. And uh, if you were to if you were to describe the word hope, what would that description be? What is hope? Hope is the ability to to dream, to have a sense of purpose, hmm. to know that when all things around you are not moving you can still get up and move. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. Uh, now, let's, uh, you mentioned your book, Conquer- Conquering the Odds. And I believe it's, it's also it's fully titled Conquering the, the Odds, The Journey of a Shepherd Girl. Can you... I do have two, two books. You do? Yes. The first one is Conquering the Odds, Journey of a Shepherd Girl. Okay. And that is my journey hmm. of given to my grandmother when I was six months old, growing up as a shepherd. And by the time I was four, I was on my own with hmm. over 150 goats and sheep. Wow. Surviving malaria more than 15 times. Lots of different things. 
that I'd gone through. And that journey translates into the United States and the refugee camp. And there's lots of turns and turbulations, yet there's that resilience piece that keeps coming back. Mm. And then I have my second book, which is called Conquering the Odds, Turn Your Valley into a Mountaintop. That gives people hope that no matter how deep you feel that you're in that valley, there is a way out. You can climb out. It is never too late because your conditions do not determine your destiny. And, and it's, what, your de- it's, it's your decisions. So what drove you to write, write your books? I want to inspire people. I want to give people hope that for me to be existing today mm-hmm. and to be where I'm at today, you know, I have three amazing children. I have my own home. I, I mean, to, to look at it, we're never thinking this girl is a girl that grew up as a, a shepherd and a nomad and a refugee and never been to school. I learned to read and write when I was 22. Wow. You know, so when I share that with people, it gives them a sense of hope. It gives them like, gosh, you know, I can do that. I, I can I can go back to school like I wanted to before I had a kid. Or, um, you know, I'm going to pursue, I'm going to start that business. I'm going to do what I always wanted to do. All right. Huh. That's fascinating. So, my next question for you would be, if you were to give, let's say... Uh, a 22-year-old um, about to learn how to read, uh, not well, not sure about life, but perhaps listening to this podcast and hearing your story, but also kind of feeling that maybe you just got lucky and there's no guarantee that they will get lucky. What would you tell them? There is no such thing as luck. I see. There's mere determination and pushing beyond pain. When you know you want something bad enough, you only have three hours of sleep consecutively for a long period of time. Hmm. When you work full-time, and you go to school full-time, and you might have kids, and you go to bed at 11 p.m., and you wake up at 3 to study for your exam that's coming up, then you know there is no luck. When you go to the library and you you pick up audiobooks mm-hmm. and you listen to that because you don't want to have to deal with people telling you, hey, you, you really have a thick accent, those kind of things. Yeah. When you know your flaws, when you know where you come from, I'm very, very proud of where I came from. I'm very, very proud of my past. Often people will like to polish their lives and be like, no, I didn't grow up in the jungle, blah, blah. You know, no, that is BS. Yeah. You've got to be true to who you are. You've got to know your core values. You've got to know where you come from. Mm-hmm. And no one can tell you you don't belong. You know, I work at a great job. I'm a nurse. I have all these beautiful things that are happening in my life. But because I worked so hard, no one can give me a hard time. No one can say, I got a free pass. I didn't get a free pass. You get a free pass if you work at a minimum job and you live paycheck to paycheck or you are in the government, you know, waiting for someone to put a few dollars in your account. Then you're getting lucky. But when you work so hard that 
you lose friends, you lose sleep, and sometimes you lose family members, then you know it has nothing to do with luck. It has everything to do with determination and dream and knowing that you're going to make a difference Hmm. for those that follow you. Fantastic way to frame it. Now, I'd like to talk more about the future. Um, you're from Somalia, as we've clarified. Um, what, what, if you were to describe the state of the country at, at this present time, uh, what would that be? What would that description be? In in all honesty, my friend, I I don't follow a lot of politics. Okay. I don't follow a lot about the current state and what is going on on a daily day, you know, daily to day, um, day to day uh, things that are going on going on in the country. The way I look at my life is that I'm my center. What am I doing for my kids? What am I doing for my family? What am I doing for my neighbors? What am I doing for my um, city? What am I doing for those around me? Because in in all honesty, if we think about the bigger problem and the world issues, we tend to get so in tune into it that we forget that their needs, right where we are right now, their needs, for me, the way I look at it is, how can I prevent the next child who goes through relationship issues or term you know like turmoil with with their family or disagreement how can i help them have the capacity and the, the strength to say no to um committed suicide because as you know teen suicide is the second leading cause in the united states right now wow Wow. And how do I how do I do that? You know, how can I go to my kids to school and teach kids how to not be bullies? Mm. How can I help g- young girls say no to pressure to have sex at 12, 11? Mm. You know, how can I help our young boys here uh, in my neighborhood say no to drugs? How not how how like how can I help them not sag their pens and feel like you know like hey what's up yo you know what I'm saying like I've there, there's work to be done regardless of where we are in the world. There are people that need us. Hmm. Might not be able to do a whole lot about my country. I might not be able to solve the problems there. Hmm. But what I can do is influence those that, those that I'm around right now. Okay. Makes sense. Definitely. And uh, tell me about more about what, what type of work you do, what you're involved in, in helping your community and helping teens specifically. I mean, how do you leverage your experiences to do so? For example, if I was a, you know, 14-year-old, I've had a lot of struggles with a lot of different things like depression, perhaps. How do you deal with that? The way I like to look at it is I I tell young kids the others, others' opinion of you do not have to define your destiny. It does not make you who you are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look the same as... The, the girl next to you in class or the girl you're following on Snapchat or Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian, whatever stuff that they follow. Mm-hmm. I, what I do basically is share my journey and give them a few tips of how to be resilient, how to, um, you know, get stuck in any situation. Hold on one second. You know, how to be you know, how to be the best them. Right. How to, 
like dropped my phone that's why that's how to be how to be how to be the best human being that they can possibly be so that they don't have to go in a path that is destructive for who they are yeah and i work with a lot of different schools elementary school middle school high schools i work with some colleges as well i do somewhere between 50 to 60 speeches around the schools during the school year wow that's a lot and yes and i'm currently working on my third book which would be uh, helping the youth have a better understanding of how to really dig deep, deep inside who they are. I see. Huh. And do you mind sharing more about that book, if you don't mind? I'm sorry, what? Uh, do you mind sharing more about that book? Uh, what do you mean by digging deep into who they are? The, 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 uh, asking them some simple questions such as, what is, you know, what do you see? Because kids live in the moment. Young, you know, teens live in the moment. What am I doing right now? What am I doing right now? Who am I hanging, who am I hanging out with right now? What is this instant gratification I can get? So if, I, if you ask them, when I, because I work with kids every day, when you ask them, so what do you want to be when you graduate from high school? What career plans do you have? Have you ever thought about the kind of job you want? They have no clue. Half of the time, they're like, I don't know. Even those that are almost graduating from high school. So my my book will will talk about what are some, some of the key steps that they need to take to understand who they are. You have to give them that resilient piece of saying no to peer pressures and things that are going on in their life. And um, being able to identify when there are triggers and warning signs. Being able to understand and develop self-confidence. Being able to have that a little bit of less um, selfish attitude. Teens can be very self-centered. So yeah. helping them recognize, hey, they are people who brought you into this world. Yeah. And they might know a thing or two about what they're telling you. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to listen. Yeah. Some of those things are uh, some of the things that I, I, yeah. Yes, yeah, that I want to cover. Okay. Now, uh, I guess one of my penultimate question would be resilience is something that you've had to you know, show through the entirety of your life. If you were to give me personally and my listeners as well three tips on building resilience or showing resilience in the in the face of difficult situations, um, what would those be? Yeah, when when we people talk about resilience, they think it's like this thing, like this it factor that people are born with. Yeah, there nobody's born with being resilient or having that perseverance, a positive attitude. There are a lot of different factors that make someone resilient. Their viewpoint of the world. Hmm. Like if someone is pessimistic, it is hard for them to have more resilience because they're always, I can't do this. I am unable to do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. Those type, type of things. Yeah. The, the other thing is for someone to have that piece of resilience, they understand that it is okay to fall down. Mm-hmm. It is okay to make mistakes because failure is not final. 
failures just mean something didn't work. Now you try a different way. Yeah. And and often when you fall and you get up and you fall and you get up, for example, mm. when little kids are trying to walk, what happens? Yeah, they fall and get up, get up a bunch of times. Yes. They fall, they get up, they fall. Have you ever seen someone saying a little kid like, oh, don't try. You uh, fell too many times. Don't do it again. Nobody yeah, does that. They're like, yeah, good. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah, good job. You can do it again. Do it. But what happens as an adult? You, for example, if you start a business and your business goes down, most people in your life will be like, that was too risky. I don't think you should do it again. Yeah. You know, because we have so ingrained our brain to think like failure is a bad thing. It is not. Failure makes you stronger. The more you fall down, the more closer you are to where you need to be. So we should so be able, more like babies yes. and keep trying to walk. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, so resilience is having that positive attitude, that compassion, that kindness, that kindness not just toward others, but kindness toward ourselves and saying, you know what, I'm not going to judge myself. Have you seen people who say, oh, I can't get it, I'm just so stupid. Yeah. They don't really know, they don't really think they're stupid. They just want that negative appraisal that somebody else agrees with me, therefore I feel bad. Yeah. It's a manipulation. Huh. You know, like if you ever, I was reading a book and in, the other day and it says uh, a woman never should tell her partner that she's, you know, insecure about certain things, you know? Yeah. And I was, I, I was just, I was just thinking about it and that the explanation the guy gave made a really good sense to me. I was like, interesting because often we are finding a way to make ourselves feel a certain way and we want somebody to agree with us. Although the woman wants her partner to say you're beautiful in any and every way, mm -hmm. she's looking for that thing that she can use against him later on. Hmm. It's a fascinating world. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so my final question for you is a question I ask all of my guests. Um, if you are listening to my podcast, you probably caught it. Um, but my question always is and is to you, what are you hopeful about? What about your situation within your community, the kids that you help, and back home in Somalia? What gives you hope? My hope and my in my future plans include that I will be able to speak internationally to kids everywhere hmm. and that I would be the first Oprah Winfrey Okay. <laughs> of the Somali of the Somalian people. Okay. And because I I remember when I came to the states, I we used to watch her show. Like although I didn't really understand a whole lot of English, uh, it gave me a sense of belonging. I was like, oh, there's a woman that looks like me. She's on TV. So a lot of the things that I do is she's my role model. Mm. And I see her selflessness. 
and my work with kids, I want to be able to give kids just, even if it's just a hug and say, hey, you matter. You matter to somebody. You are smart. You're kind. And I love you. Hmm. That That's all I want. Because I didn't get that when I was growing up. I didn't get that. Someone looked me in the eye and said, baby, you're beautiful. And I'm so, so, so glad that you're in my life. Do you know how many kids are dying to hear that? Every child wants to get noticed, get appreciation, or they, they need to know that they matter and their parents or their guardians notice them. But there's so many kids that are orphaned or unnoticed or going into different homes or whatever the situation might be. I feel like that's what I was created to do. I feel like because of my past, I have this deep desire to be able to, to be a soft spot for the children. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing both your story. Um, I'm perhaps just as excited as you are about your goals. Um, I look forward to you being the the Oprah Winfrey of the Somalian community, or maybe just the Habibo Haji. Maybe that's that becomes just as popular as Oprah Winfrey someday. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what you're doing, and thank you so much for sharing your story and your thoughts on hope and resilience. Um, if there's anybody we should be listening to, it's probably you. Um, thank you so much. And if you'd like to say uh, goodbye to my, my listeners one once, uh, please go ahead. Thank you. You have a wonderful evening. Right. Thank you so much, Habibo. And uh, thank you for coming to listen to Pate of Africa today. Um, this has been Akande Adirali and Habibo Haji on uh, Resilience. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and rate me on iTunes. Thank you so very much and have a wonderful rest of your day.